0: Hi, and welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and I'm like you. At the end of the day, I want fulfillment, peace, and joy. So I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help and ask them the candid and in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and grow together. This is my Functional Friday episode where we focus on our health and wellness so we have the ability and capacity to pursue all we desire. Today, I've got a story for you. It's a case study of a health turnaround and success. Dan Miller is the best-selling author of 48 Days of the Work You Love and a prolific writer, speaker, and coach. However, at the end of 2018 at age 71, when he wanted to be going strong, he found himself barely able to work and he shares the incredible amount of resources he sought for help, including his primary care physician who simply stated, hey, you know what? You're just getting old. Make peace with it. Well, today, He's back to more energy, vitality, and overall wellness than he's experienced in many years. He said, I simply didn't get back to where I was before my decline. I far surpassed where I was before that point. And as you'll hear in the show, he's now excitedly finalizing two new books for his publisher and planning out the next 20 years. Of his productive life. And it's no miracle. It's just the basic things. It's the things you can do as well. So now at age 72, I'd pit his cognitive abilities and much of his physical abilities as well against people 10, 20 more years younger than he is. And I believe you'll relate to a lot of what you're going to hear in this candid conversation between Dan, Dr. Randy James, my co-host and myself, as you find out how Dan did it, what the story is. And for disclosure, Dan is my dad. Many of you will know him from his top-ranked 48 Days podcast as well, and you can find him at 48days.com. Hey, if you find value from this self-helpful podcast, subscribe, leave a review about this episode, and best of all, share something you learned with someone else. You can find me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Dr. James and I talk with Dan Miller, my dad, about his new lease on life. All right, dad would kick us off. I, I really wanted to give a snapshot instead of starting at the beginning and going from there. Just of you saying, okay, here I found myself at 71 in this condition. And then in a, whatever matter of time, now you find yourself here. Cause that's, that's the inspiration right there. And I wanted to lead off with the, with the good stuff, but then go back and dig in somewhat to the journey that I think so many people are going to resonate with. So give us that seventy-one. because I know you found yourself in a bad place not that long ago. Gosh, as we're talking,
1: it was really a year and a half ago, but I was 71 and I found myself, my energy was really depleted. I told my team that I felt like I was operating at about 30% of capacity. What I was used to. And now a year and a half later, I mean, my, my energy, my overall health, My stamina is unlike what I've experienced in the last 15 or 20 years. And at 72 now, I'm planning out the next 20 years, which is really exciting to me. One of my books is 48 Days to the Work You Love, which was uh, released originally 20 years ago. So I'm doing the 20th anniversary edition. So I have that time frame to look back on, which seems like a blink of an eye, but it also gives me the excitement, the liberty to be planning 20 years forward. What will the workplace be like? But it's part of my work and the energy that I bring to that. I'm excited about what I'm going to be doing 20 years from now.
0: Well, I wanted you Randy to speak to that too. I mean, you're seeing people day in and day out. I mean, we would expect that most people you have, here in the practice are a, like we talked about the podcast audience, a more aspiring person, or they wouldn't be in here. Um, they, they're they in a place they don't want to be. They want to achieve something. And yet we're always dealing with the uh, reality of how much drive is there? How much vision is there? I mean, that's where you start is with vision and goal.
2: Yeah, it <clears throat> that's where we start with vision and goal. And so many people are finding themselves at a at a spot where, even, where they feel like they have to muster. Mm-hmm. And, and Dan, I feel like that was one of the, the, the concepts, if you didn't use that word, but you found yourself, goodness, at 30%, meaning to, to work at 35% or 40%, you had to muster and, and pull it out of caffeine, pull it out of a five-hour energy, pull it out of a, gosh, do I need to sleep better, and, and, and why is this happening? And that your story is gonna resonate with a lot of other people.
1: At that point I was sleeping twelve, fourteen hours a day. I would go to bed exhausted. I would wake up exhausted, look for an opportunity to take a nap in the morning, have lunch, and look for an opportunity right after lunch to take another nap. Wow. That was how I was functioning.
2: So from my perspective, and we'll I think our next question is gonna be kind of you know for you as a smart guy as a professional guy to say okay what what are the resources that you looked at because uh, I don't want to jump in and talk about that ahead of people understanding the story. So so what was next? How did you think you're going to solve this problem?
0: Can I, can I, I want to jump in, too, on, a, on the question of, yeah, how did you see that progress? Because it wasn't that you're going along, and one morning you woke up, and holy smokes, I am limited. I mean, this, like with most people, this took place over a matter of time, and at first it probably seemed a little innocuous, you know, gosh, I don't quite have it there. And then all of a sudden it's building. And then you do realize, man, things are not right. What, what kind of span of time are we talking here? And then I know for you, it got, I'm going to say critical. I mean, it wasn't that, you know, you you've done well and your bills are, are paid. You don't have to show up for work every day and stuff, but it was critical to your purpose. I mean, you were not able to perform as you needed to for your own lifestyle. Oh, Absolutely.
1: I mean, I have, I have high goals uh, in that I blend, work, and play. Yeah, it's not that I'm trying to outachieve everybody else, but I love the feeling of productivity, of doing something useful, of engaging with people in their lives as I have the opportunity to do. And more and more, my energy was just depleted. Now, it happened, I mean, I realized it was happening over a period of a couple years, and it wasn't that I did not look for help. I read everything that I could. I talked to everybody that I could. I sought out people to help me on that journey. And so what I started doing, I mean, the first real indication that I had physically was lower back pain. So I started going to our chiropractor and he would work with me. I was going to every week, you know, sometimes a couple times a week working on that. And the pain kept increasing. And then I told him, I said, I don't know what's happening, but the pain, it's like it's moving. It's moving from my back up into my shoulders and my arms, excruciating pain, got to where just touching me was painful. I said, I don't know what's going on, but I have to stop. I have to look for something else because I can't handle what we're trying to do here, and the approach that we're taking.
2: May I ask, uh, those initial chiropractic adjustments, did they seem helpful?
1: They did. I thought, mm-hmm. well, this is going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. This is going to take care of the back pain that I've been experiencing. And, and it at, seemed to be
2: helpful. At that time, and, uh, and I know we're looking back through hindsight, but were you also looking at sleep patterns, nutrition patterns or things th- things like that or were or were you kind of focused on the mechanical back pain?
1: I was really focused on just the mechanical manipulation, thinking that may be a key to turn this whole thing around. I wasn't doing anything else really proactively. Now I've always been conscious of my diet. I mean, I don't but, you know, I don't do, you know, junk food. I mean, I've been pretty good in my diet. So it wasn't like I felt like there are major things that I'm going to have to change. It was just, what is the key? And I was hoping that that was it.
2: Right. You are such an interesting case because of, of what you just said. And I would also think that many people in our audience are are also thinking that way. Nobody is really smoking a pack a day, drinking a fifth of scotch every night, you know, having having fisticuffs with their spouse every night and, and in a just a poor health situation dramatically and yet so many people in there uh what Kevin and I always joke at that that the normal is not normal you you probably thought at the time well I'm 70 whatever back pain it's kind of normal you know so here I am an old guy and and yet you weren't doing bad things that that made it so clear that, that here's a consequence.
1: So, so the next thing I did was went to our family doctor. Been our family doctor for 30 years. Internist, great guy, good friend. Told him what was going on. I said, something's going on here. He checked me. They did the normal test. Everything was normal. He says, man, quit complaining. You're getting old. And I thought, you turkey. <laughs> Don't I'm, tell I'm me that. Right now.
0: I, That's I, exactly
1: I just, what he told me. Mm-hmm. He says, quit complaining. You're getting old. Mm-hmm. And I said, something is wrong. I have to get to the root of this. He says, well, you've got shoulder pain. Let's go see the neurologist. Oh, yeah. Send me to a neurologist. Also a friend of mine, wonderful lady. She says, well, this isn't a spinal issue. This is something else. But she checked for rotator cuff injury, the normal kind of things. She said, let's get you in with physical therapy. I went to physical therapy for three months, mm-hmm. really religiously, three times a week. It helped. Uh, the, the gals I worked with were wonderful. It helped me get some range
0: of motion, but it never got to the root of it at all. Yeah. I continued. Go ahead. Now, I, I wanted to just hit on that thing again, because as we so often are talking about the the norm culturally, especially in America, the norm, because what you just depicted right there. So you're at 71 and you get that response from your doc that hey you know chill out your 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 tests come back how often do we hear that Randy your tests come back which is these narrow tests that we joke and say it means you're not going to die quite right now today uh they're so narrow as opposed to the ones that Randy does that are so broad and really look at the big picture but they're so narrow and he says you know be okay. You're just getting old. And we have people today at half your age, 35, hearing the exact same thing. I don't know how many women here in the practice who are around that, you know, 35, 40, whatever, and they are not feeling well. Their energy is zapped. They are going downhill. They're in decline. They go get the test. The tests look good. They say, but I don't feel well. And the best that they can get offered then is a drug to deal with the symptom and they're not okay with it. So as much as we can you know, laugh about that, at 71 which most people are going to think well yeah you are getting old you should be on a client we have people at 35 getting the same thing and then we're also inspired by the stories we hear that pop up all the time of somebody in their 90s who are producing and on that i can't not jump the gun because i love this this is in the family text so uh you and my and and your wife my mom my brother, my sister, we're in the family text and you're talking, this is this last week and you were just sharing, I think about your books coming up. You've got a couple books due to the publisher in December, something like that. And you said you were mapping out the next, was it 20 or 25 20 years?
1: 20 years, 20 years, because I'm working on a 20th edition, 20th anniversary edition of one of my books. I'm looking uh, back 20 years and forward 20 years, right? As we speak.
0: Just on the resources, because I know people will resonate this. So resonate with this. People who uh, they felt a lack, an ache, a pain, or whatever that they don't like, and then start seeking out resources before they get to functional medicine. And Dr. Randy James here, they generally have gone through, again, a litany. Now, you just talked about that that you went to. What did you say? Chiropractor, physical therapist, family doctor. Keep going
1: neurologist, family doctor, physical therapist, nutritionist, I saw a nutritionist, I saw a pharmacist who's a healer, and then I went to an energy healer. I was desperate for solutions. Went to an energy healer, laid me out on a bed, there were crystals he put on my chest, candles burning everywhere. I mean, I was open to anything to try to break this cycle of pain that I was in.
2: And you can hear the smile in my voice. I, I, I want <laughs> mine to, too. <laughs> to, that it, it's not wrong, uh-huh. right? It is. And I am a family doc. There, there is value in having a neurologist and an orthopedist and physical therapy. It, it isn't wrong. So, so even as we, in your case, and also we see in many people's cases it's not wrong to approach things that way we would just argue it's not as right as it could be there's right or ways to think about the complex problem of of human energy and in fact I would put lack of energy as the second most complex human problem in existence the first one being the human problem itself who am I why am I here this is this is the everyman question this and if the second one would be, what is energy? I mean, this is Einstein stuff. This is relativity stuff. You didn't walk around saying my my kilojoules per meter squared doesn't quite feel right in my bicep or my shoulder. You just said, I am tired, exhausted, fatigued. And the answer to that isn't, we need to find a way to get your mitochondrial health just right so that your ATP gets an increase in production. I mean, that, that, that's the stuff of biochemistry and all of those doctors know that, but that is not, then they did the labs and said, well, through this lens, it looks like we can't see anything specifically wrong with you. And on the flip side, an energy guy is always going to find something wrong with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. There's always more energy you could have, not wrong. And, you know, in down his lens, uh, there's nothing to measure. It's not quantifiable so in the science world we raise an eyebrow at it um but i'll I'll be the first to say well we never say never never say always i don't know what i don't know and so i'm not going to vilify what these other guys are doing and when the time comes when we do need an orthopedist and a neurologist that's those are great tools to have so i just wanted to balance out the statement by saying you're uh, looking for resources was not wrong it, it is the right smart thing to do and and what we want to highlight is that the problem in america is that so many people get told well we can't find anything directly wrong with you so and you got told you know find a rocking chair man you've that's you, you've exactly right it.
1: that's exactly right well in you, then you want to know the the next piece of the story i had seen seven professionals in different areas of medical specialty with no relief really at all. I kept the the pain continued. I experienced upper body pain down into my wrist that was excruciating, unlike any pain I had ever experienced. So, then I was open to the world of functional medicine. So I found a functional medicine doctor. I went there And oh my gosh, this was going to be different. We were going to do not just these normal lab tests, but this broad, expansive band of tests that would go much deeper. We did that. I met with him. I was treated. He was the most robotic person I perhaps have ever met. He treated me as simply a biochemical mass. He went through. Didn't talk to me, didn't want my input at all. There was no discussion about who I am, what I value, what my work life is like, what my relationships are like, nothing. He was going to prescribe, then, supplements and medications to address what he saw on the computer screen based on my biochemistry. It was extremely disappointing. Mm. And I left, vowed I'd never go back again.
2: And And that's so... Just as hard as I cringed when your first doctor said, "Well, you're getting old, and what else can you expect?" I'm doubly cringing. Yep, uh, like Kevin's kids are always say, "Oh, that's cringy." Mm-hmm. Um, to hear that that a colleague thinking through a functional medicine lens, and and I do think this can be a significant weakness through the functional medicine approach. The strength of saying you are, we are all biochemical individuality, right? That. We can't be held up to the lens of normal. And if you don't, and if you, which is kind of everybody, so every, it is normal to get back pain and all of those kind of things and to be told just deal with it. That's not right. And over here, it's also not right to do this vast array of labs and say, well, you're a little off here, you're a little off there. This is abnormal, that's abnormal. And for this, you take this pill. For that, you take that pill. And for this, you take that pill. And I'll see you back in three months. Tell me how you're doing.
1: And, and the, the recommendation at that point would have required 54 pills a day.
2: <laughs> that's, that's a meal in and of itself.
1: And I thought, how can this make sense? How can we really fine-tune knowing what the issues are if we dump this mass of supplements in? And that's when I left uh, once again disappointed with what I was hearing.
0: It's obviously, it's a, it's, it's a tragedy to functional medicine. I don't know how, I don't know how that happened. And of course, I, for disclosure, I had a part in that because, you know, when we started talking about functional medicine, of course, we could have brought you out here to Colorado and to meet with my partner, Randy. And, uh, but we found somebody who looked on a, as far as a website, looked same That's credentials, right. same right. everything. And then the, that violates—that's the word I was looking for—violates the very premise of functional medicine because Randy he's going to prescribe nothing, no nothing, until he starts off first with, "Who are you? Uh, who are you? What do you want? What's been happening?" The full context of your life to figure out what on earth is the next step because it may not be supplements you need. It may be a bad marriage you need to deal with, or bad work, or a, you know a litany of things. And that is the problem that we see with traditional medicine. And people, I need help beyond that. Where do you go? Do you go to the chiropractor? Do you go to whatever, which is not to sell this on functional medicine, but for all of us, we have to get somebody who can look at the context. You do this with life coaching. When you talk to somebody, look at the context of their life and figure out what do they need most. And it's, that's why there's no cookie cutter approach. And you have to do this on a personalized state. And yet with medicine, we have so many practitioners who are specialists, but waving their hands as the cure all for everybody. Hey, we've got to backtrack to figure out where is the next step, which I, I don't know if that's a place to jump now, but I do want you to get to at the point that we finally said, okay, we got to get you with Randy. And I don't know mm-hmm. where you guys started. I, I know from so many patients where he, I you know, do. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause that's it. Where do you start? Well, you know, cause it's easy to say, well, you know, diet, it's nutrition, it's this and that, yeah. whatever. And I've heard him start off with an unprecedented amount of acute, here's what you need to do in your predicament right now and it's different across the board so yeah
1: well there's an old chuck swindell story that he tells about the six men of indostan who encountered they were all blind and they encountered an elephant and so each one had a different perspective one grabbed a tusk so he knew what an elephant was like you know one Encountered the trunk, so it was much different. One encountered a leg. Each of them had a very different perspective based on their approach. I felt like that's what had happened that in meeting with these eight professionals that I'd met with, each one had their individual approach, but there was nothing that took a bigger look at where I was and what I was all about. When I went with Randy the first time, He didn't want to see any of the lab reports, any of the reports that I had done, all this medical work I had done, he didn't want to see any of that. He wanted to talk to me. And we talked for two hours about lifestyle, work habits, relationships, all those things that had nothing to do with traditional medicine or with my biochemistry to give him an overview of where we were going to start encompassing the bigger picture of who is Dan Miller, not just how is this body functioning.
2: Love that. my, my The word that I'm always going to use, uh, that, that we all have a framework to think through and who is Dan Miller. And your answer to that is what I would say, that's the definition of true life. You are the captain of your ship, right? and, and, All of those those famous phrases about, oh captain, my captain, and that's where I'd say any healthcare person should ought to submit to that. We work for you. But we, we have a system in place that is backed by three point something trillion dollars this last year that that sets it up as the captains of the ship are. The medical professionals, the business professionals that are driving this whole kind of thing. And you know what? That works great when if you had needed a shoulder surgery. Because when you're asleep and out, you want you want the surgeon to be the captain and do the thing that that he's paid to do. But but why? And if you didn't have a really strong reason to come out of that surgery and regain the use of the of the of the shoulder, or in your case, why is the pain there? It's not a deficiency of oxycontin. Or ibuprofen, or and in the functional world, I would say that that wasn't a deficiency of turmeric or uh, any other of the fifty-four supplements that you were going to take. There had to be something else going on there, and and actually, let me go a step further and say there were many things. It's not that there's a root singular that's causing a, a bad weed to grow in your life that you call pain. It's the roots that are that are going down that pathway and then you as the captain of the ship are saying i am putting all this effort and energy into driving my life down this direction and i'm not getting anywhere i'm being hampered by the icebergs if we stick with the captain you know the icebergs of the titanic and it's scraping you up and you're 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 aware of it how do you turn out of that you went to the industry and the industry said well It's normal to be in these icebergs when you're 70. You're going to get scratched. Slow down a little bit so it doesn't hurt quite so bad. Lower your expectations. Be happy with your grandchildren. Uh, Two two, two or three weeks ago, one of our other favorite patients, her, as as she was the captain of me, she said, I don't want to be grandma on the couch. Mm. And she wasn't anymore. That was the great story. She said, I'm not grandma on the couch anymore. So... So in that in that place I think of going back getting the bigger picture perspective is where that's where you start as a life coach that's where we would start in the entrepreneurial world is is well where are we going why are we doing this kind of thing and in the medical world we have the industry has lost sight of that and we tunnel down through great technology great capacity of radiology and mri and all of those kind of things but now we're seeing this huge upswell of people with symptoms that aren't definable aren't measurable and we call it depression anxiety fatigue and fibromyalgia and now we've got even crazier ones with lyme disease and chronic immune response syndrome and mcas and all of these other things Um, and and we're going to get stuck kind of like you were stuck
1: yeah, and along the way, people were eager to give terminology to what I was experiencing. So they did say, I had all the symptoms, fibromyalgia, Hashimoto's disease, Epstein-Barr. And I'm like, I don't want to name this puppy. I want to feel better. And it just amazed me that people thought I should be content because we could give it a name.
2: in, in so we will often say... From the functional medicine perspective that normal doctors are in the business of name it, blame it, and tame it. So you give it a name, and it's got to be Latin so that you can charge more money. Mm -hmm. You blame it, and the blame is going to be on a virus, a bug. Epstein-Barr is a virus. You know, we're going to blame it on... uh, uh, an exposure that you had, or maybe there was a bad experience you had when you were ten, or maybe a car wreck, or maybe you know lots of blames, and then tame it with surgery or medicine.
1: Yep, I was offered in this process, again, recognizing that my pain was really centralized in my shoulders. I was offered to do rotator cuff surgery, which in retrospect blows my mind mm. because the pain is gone. I never had any surgery. I don't know how that would have factored in. And I cringe to think of the, the effects of that, what it could be now, had I gone in that route. But that was one of the offerings. It, we were looking for surgery or pharmaceutical intervention to take care of this to make it go away. And when, when you and I started working together, Randy, you know, we, we talked about that. And, and we, you acknowledged that people are looking for a quick fix. You know, send me to Walgreens or CVS. Give me something that's going to make me feel better three hours from now. Don't talk to me about something where I'm going to feel better six months from now. And yet, if we're really going to reclaim health, you told me this didn't happen overnight, and it's not going to go away overnight.
2: Right. I, I remember that vividly, and the idea that I, I'm always—I I catch myself because if you tell that to people— they have to be prepared because that's that's so daunting to so many people, they won't do it. They won't begin the long walk uphill mm-hmm. and and understanding that this isn't a, and it's not even a long walk straight uphill. There's lefts and rights and ups and downs and oh gosh, we're, we lost our way. We need to backtrack a little bit and shift over and find the trail again. Um, I think people do understand that that the, the hard work of a marriage might be that way, that it's never roses, but you, you're in it, and you can conceive of saying, we're going to work through the hard stuff, or raising kids, and you expect you know tough teenage years and, and all of those kind of things. But we as an American people are not trained to have, a, have the long vision in, in perspective when we're talking about our health. And that we are trained that when pain is there, there's a pill. Absolutely. There's a pill for every ill. And I I smile even in my own house. (laughs) Somehow, you know, a a kid will wake up or have a, you know, like one came home and said, Dad, I jammed my thumb at basketball. What do I do for that? And I You wiggle it.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, we start the program here early on when the little kid comes in. And what do you do? You put a Band-Aid on it. Not going to help anything, but for some reason it has the magic cure. Well, I do want you guys then to hit what, you know, because I know you guys started and I don't know what exactly happened. Randy did his thing and you followed along. What were those literal first steps? Apparently it wasn't rotator cuff surgery.
1: No, it wasn't. I'm real clear on the process. We had lengthy conversations and then started to look at some extensive lab tests where there were indicators. And what we would do then is say, okay, let's try this for three weeks. And it may be one supplement or one dietary change. So we could really isolate what is making a difference. I mean, you know, Randy, you were amazing at recognizing this is a very individualized process there is no cookie cutter plan but we would test things individually give them time to show us the results and then make a further adjustment so we experimented with intermittent fasting we experimented with dietary changes you went on a keto plan for a hundred days and and when you know i i love being a student because i was highly motivated trust me I I was willing to do whatever at this point. So if it was keto for 100 days, I mean, I never varied. I was 100% on that right through the holidays last year. And so we experiment with that. Gluten-free, we experiment with a lot of things to try to find. And then the interesting thing is, in retrospect, in looking back, then, you know, I would ask, you know, Randy, I ask you, you know, what was it that led to my dramatic Turnaround? Was it mindset? Was it diet? Was it exercise? Was it supplements? And your response, as always,
2: all of the above. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of the
1: above. So there's still kind of an intangible mix. It's not something where I could write out a prescription for the next person. But in working together and addressing those four areas individually, We came up with a plan that works for Dan Miller, and My Health Restoration has been dramatic.
2: Yeah, so I I would like uh, to—this is such a great conversation because we are—this is about a year later. Yes. Right? And um, now that you are one of uh, our—we kind of like to say you've you've sort of graduated this process. You've been through it. And now to the initiated, we could look back and say— you, you did have fibro. You did have Hashimoto's. You did have uh, chronic active Epstein-Barr. You did have uh, chronic pain or CFIDS, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome and IDS, immunodeficiency syndrome. We could name all of these kind of names. And, and the American person is, oh, yeah, my doc said that. Okay, what do you do for that? And the response is, well... All of the above, there is always going to be a, and, and as Kevin and I talk all the time about our framework, and it's not the perfect one, but it is a way to think fluidly and dynamically about, we've got to give the human being what the human being is all of about. And you mentioned those those things. There is a mindset. There is a nutrition pathway. There is all of these things. And so, but we can't... Talk to the next person coming through the door, whether it's diabetes or hypertension or fibromyalgia, and say, oh, well, just like Dan Miller, you do this and that and this and that. And we, we are at risk because we have the famous people, and again, no, no offense to them, but Dr. Hyman and Dr. Oz and these guys say it, they tend to want to boil it down. It's Mm -hmm. all about this, or the gluten part, or the. it's all about mindset, and I get it. I wish that my life had a prescription, too, so I could just do it and make things easier. But part of the actual algorithm is finding your own algorithm. Mm. And now you've done that, at least in part. And here you are looking at being 72, thinking about 92, and you're still working on it.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But I feel like I really have a handle on the foundational piece of my life. I mean, there's so many things that go into a productive, meaningful life, obviously. But I feel like this is a real big foundational piece that I now have a handle on. So I don't need to worry about that foundation being pulled out from under me. Because without health, it's hard to, to have a productive, fulfilling, meaningful life.
0: Hey, I do want to ask what were you know even as we look at that and say what was it was it this thing or was it that thing or and that it was it was all you know all those things helped what were though because well I'll ask both of you because with any you think any ten patients there are going to be some primary culprits you know like the most acute thing that was hurting Mrs Jones was in this arena and it was a dietary thing or it was a supplement you know a, a nutritional deficit or it was an inactivity or. Or some other, a rotator cuff, whatever it may be. What were some of the leading culprits? Can I ask that?
2: Yeah, before Dan, before you answer that, I think we're going to have two answers. And I'm going to ask you that first. Like you're looking back over a year. And if we say, what were the top three or four things that you think those were the, the ones that in your case were really helpful. And then I'll answer that too through my lens in sure. the same way.
1: Great. Okay. One of the things that I recognized as we were discussing this and working on it were some counterproductive work habits. I love what I do. I, I'm an author, speaker, coach, so I love doing that. And so it's easy to rationalize I love my work. Why would I need a day off? Why would I need to take a vacation? And no matter how much we love our work, and, you know, boy, you talk about, you know, the Cobbler's son has no shoes. I mean, this is what I teach. And yet, when I look at my own life, I was doing some really unproductive, counterproductive things in terms of work habits. I mean, 14-hour days, man, I'm there. I'm writing. I'm coaching, working with other people. I love what I do. I needed to change that. Now, c- along with this, I also am part of a program called Strategic Coach where I am being coached. And one of the things we do there is to clarify three major uses of our time focus days, buffer days, and free days. Well, free days, they show that with highly successful entrepreneurs, as they increase their free days, this funny thing happens in that their productivity and profitability tends to increase as well. A lot of statistics showing that. I experimented with that. This year, my goal was, and I'm right on track, was to have 124 free days, totally unconnected with my work at all. Well, for an entrepreneur, nobody looking over your shoulder, you think, wow, that's a third of your time if I invested that in work, we tend to think if we work more, we produce more. But we know that's really not true. So I backed off a lot. We've had a lot of joint and I, my wife and I've had a lot of free time, totally unconnected with work. And you know, the funny thing is, things get done, profitability is increasing, the major things that I'm committed to are growing. It's marvelous to watch. So there's that immediate encouragement then to do that more. So I really did change some things there. Now, in addition to that, we had some experimentation with diet. I know that being gluten-free really helps me. We experiment with some other things. I'm not on a strict any kind of particular diet, but I'm still experimenting with intermittent fasting. We experiment with a lot of different kind of supplements, but at this point have settled into four basic supplements that I take every day. I never miss a day, and those things finding my own space in all those. Well, those are fish oil, they are multivitamin, probiotics, and vitamin D.
2: So Kevin and I are smiling and and. And uh, it literally is a, is a goosebumpy kind of moment. In this warm room, I've, I'm, I'm showing these guys my goosebumps because I'm so proud of my student, in, in a sense, and in somebody that I respect so much and who I'm a student of and that, that, mutual, that, that, that mutuality that is there. Um, so, uh, of course, I would say things very similarly. And here's what I would add. At the front side of this... I was a little bit nervous, and you did share with me all those labs that the other doctor had gotten, and my uh, perspective and and statement to you was to say, there is something wrong, and in fact, you do have Hashimoto's, and it's not that we boil it down to a thyroid problem. It still has to be the next question of, okay, why is this there? It's it's an immune problem problem. Okay, why is there an immune system problem where your immune system is taking pot shots at your thyroid and probably also at your joints? And probably you are becoming a rheumatoid arthritis kind of a person, and that's what this joint pain is. And and as a doc, I was concerned. And of course, hopefully didn't pass that concern along to you, but in in talking through that, I do think and And I think maybe you would see also that, as I hold this pin over the edge of the table, that you are on the verge, and through no fault of your own, or we don't uh, America wants to blame all well, your genetics, and you just have this table edge of genetics right there, and now you're falling off, and it's old age, and thank goodness we have modern American medicine to give you great drugs to keep you out of pain. The perspective is no, how do how does your body get away from that edge and create resilience. And one of the, in fact, we do call it our, our chief cornerstone, is the concept of, of that interplay between work, calling, marriage, and rest. The, 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 the heart of a man. And, and the answer to the question, who am I and why am I here? And, and that was one of your great strengths, and as happens with so many of us, especially in the productive entrepreneurial world, it, it had become your weakness.
1: Mm, absolutely.
2: And oh the 14-hour days where they were hurting you. And we had to go to the heart of you to see the sense. And it resonated with you so much through your own coaching. And one of the things I remember that you had taught me, too, was investing yourself. And we fed that back to you with time mm-hmm. and rest and rest. And that was, what was that doing in your immune system? On the negative side with 14-hour days and then on the positive side with 124 rest days. That's not doing nothing. You were feasting on the, 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 the biochemical communication of a deep breath and the thing that only, only time can give you. That You can't shove that into a five-minute quick meditative whatever in the middle of the day.
1: Yeah, you asked me early on about stress, knowing that stress is a trigger for all these things that we've identified that I was experiencing. And I said, I don't have any stress in my life. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I I don't experience any pressure. I create my own time, my own deadlines. I've got a beautiful long term marriage. My kids are thriving. I mean, I live in a beautiful place. I don't fight traffic lights on the way to work in the morning I walk across a nature trail to a place we call the sanctuary I mean how could you identify a more ideal life than what I have how could I experience any stress and yet we started to uncover those things where yeah I was creating my own kind of stress big time
0: I want to ask about the Randy you just talked about investing in yourself coming from you dad you, gosh, was it a year ago? I don't know the timeline, but it seems like I did a, maybe we did a show together on the Ziggler show or something like that, but you were somewhat advocating this aspect of invest. What is it? Invest how much of your, your three to
1: 5% of your total income back in your personal, back belt. to your personal health. Yes.
0: Well, okay. So when I took it at the time, and it may be my own filter of how I took it was investing in, productivity in a sense, invest in a seminar, invest in a coach, invest in learning, invest in things to grow myself personally, professionally, Mm -hmm. uh, to that nature. It was since that time though, that I know to the family, you kind of divulged saying guys for the first time, I'm kind of looking at this whole self care thing. Has that changed? So, and then, and then with this, uh, this whole journey happening, has it changed your perspective on, Investment in self, from not just the productivity aspect, but to this self care. Yeah, that, yeah,
1: that's that's very accurate. I do believe in the principle of investing in oneself, as much as I believe in the principle of the tithe. You know, if we believe in the principle of the tithe, we really believe that we can do more with the ninety percent, with God's help, than we can with the hundred percent totally on our own, and that principle has been proven out. There's many testimonials about that. I feel the same way in terms of personal development. I need to be investing 5% of my income back into my own growth. So if somebody's making $200,000 a year, that means you have $10,000. Look for ways to invest that in your own personal development. That may be going to a conference or having a coach, but it also includes what we're talking about here. Uh, joanne and i have a massage therapist that shows up at our house every friday three o'clock is joanne four o'clock is me that's not just some frivolous luxury that's very much our commitment to our own health process to have that be part and it falls right in line with what you're talking about here
0: well and when you're talking about money uh investing that it's i mean what you just said about I wrote it down about the, the time focus. You say focus days, buffer days, and free days. Yes. And taking a third of your time as free day. Man, that's a, if time is money, that's a, you just went way beyond 5%. The,
1: the American model is if you work more, then you have more to show for it. But that's, we know that's not really true. If you're working on an assembly line, putting car parts together, yeah, that's true. If you want more money, you put in more time. You get overtime. But when you're working in the kind of arenas that so many of us get to work in today, where it's more knowledge work, if you're a computer programmer, or if you are writing, or speaking, or coaching, or you're an artist, a musician, more time does not equate to more productivity and more profitability. Sometimes it's actually a reverse correlation.
2: Kind of like the body. More and more exercise does not equal more Hmm. and more health.
1: Interesting.
2: (laughs) More and more sleep does not equal more and more rest. More and more of anything. More and more food does not... More and more food, even if it's avocados and blueberries all the time, or 55 pills a day. mm -hmm. So that concept, and actually there's a word for it, uh, of hormesis where... Sounds
1: like harmony.
2: It. Sounds like harmony. I have not thought about it that way. It is resonance, coherence, and there is a time and a place for fasting of work, fasting of food, fasting of relationships even. There's a time and a place for sleeping. There's a time and a place for a certain kind of work and other kinds of work. And as we're recounting your journey over the last year, that work-life balance, work-life relationship figured largely... And at the same time, I do believe, and we, we really pushed at the beginning, 100 days, 100%. And you said the word keto, and, and it's interesting for me to hear your flavoring of that word, because at the heart of it was we needed to see your physiology without gluten. Mm-hmm. And to couch it in a keto term, it felt better for you. It, it went with your what you're reading and how Joanne was thinking and all of that. And, I, and we know. Now, now looking back, it, I, I would just cringe again if somebody said, oh, yeah, I went gluten-free, and that was the thing, and now I'm, I'm all better. Any more so than you would ever say, you know, I, I got a new employee, and now my business is perfect, and I never have to think about it again. It's, it was a piece of the puzzle, and now, like you said, you're not on any specific diet, but you are aware. You certainly have caution, and just like a guy who did his exercise wrong and he hurt his back or pulled a hamstring, he's, he oughtn't ever go back to that same kind of thing again. So the mindset of, of, of Sabbath, of rest, figured as part of your medicinal journey, the mindset of pulling some things out of the diet to give that part of the body a rest and putting other things in more aggressively to fuel or stimulate or something like that was a part of it um and i was going back through my perception of how you were doing those kinds of things fasting was also something that we aggressively pushed on if you recall you were also having um dates with the urologist at the time and that was a uh, <laughs> a fun time yes <laughs> and so um And 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 the whole idea was not to say, oh my gosh, we got to think about this urological, you know, prostate enlargement kind of frustration as as the isolated thing. Had we done that, you would have had another surgery. And what we did was look at the the all of you was kind of screaming reaction. Inflammation is is the watchword these days. And yes, had you just stubbed your toe then you need to have an inflammatory response and there needs to be pain and swelling but why are men content to say well i'm over 30 40 50 and yeah my dad had prostate thing and i'm gonna have to go to the bathroom all night long and all of these things and and then we try to placate that with medicines and no that's just another place where your body was biochemically reacting and and sending signals to say something is not right here and so we removed some things and we put some things in, not just medicines and surgeries and supplements, but also work and awareness of other kinds of things. Um, and it also helped in that area, in terms of you know thinking about a prostate tissue or your shoulder joint tissues. Um, there was concrete immunological things going on, but no more or less important than what was going on in your work-life balance?
1: Well, in that one sensitive area for a 72-year-old guy, I have been regular about having my PSA checked. And my PSA in this initial period of time that we're talking about here had increased. And my urologist wanted to do a biopsy. That was right at the time when I was working with you, Randy, on this. And I said, well, let's wait. He says, Dan... I'll never forget his words. He said exactly this. He said, Dan, it'll never get better. It'll only get worse. Hmm. And I said, really? I said, well, let's just, let me experiment. You know, I'll keep in touch. And he was fairly upset that I didn't agree to do a biopsy. My PSA has dropped so significantly that in seeing him this last time, he says, well, you know, it's one of these things we can't really explain, but now you can go back to just seeing me every six months. We'll check it. I says thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you for not (laughs) poking me in the sensitive spot with that big old needle. You know,
0: I, I did want to ask, I mean today, like Randy says, none of us can be perfectly well. We can't be perfect, but where are you performance symptom wise? I'm, I'm, I classically always come back to my little personal list of, you know, if you have a graph over here of symptoms that you have, you know, what are you okay with? And over here, performance, what do you want to, where do you want to be? Where do you feel like you are? on that, uh, symptoms and performance scale for, for where you want to be?
1: Well, when I described a year and a half ago that I was at 30%, I, I, and I, you know, I, I described this to, to Randy, you know, when I got to that point, I said, I feel like I'm, I'm out of the woods, but I said, I'm not just out of the... I don't want to just stand here at the edge of the woods thinking I might get sucked back in. Now that I'm out of the woods, I'm seeing mountains and rivers and rainbows ahead of me that I never saw before. I really feel like on that scale of being at 30% that I'm at 110%. I'm not back to where I was. I am beyond that significantly. My productivity has increased with fewer hours. Now, I still respect my body in terms of what I need in terms of sleep. Um, But I'm not requiring 14 hours. I like to go to bed early. I'm an early morning guy. I like to get up. So I like to be in bed at 9.30. That means I'm up, fully rested, never use an alarm clock, but I'm fully rested at about 5.30. That's my normal pattern. And then I have three hours before I have any engagement with anything that needs to be done. Those three hours where I can invest in yoga stretches, being on a treadmill, meditation, devotions, quiet time, all of those things are part of setting the stage for then what the day is going to be. And again, as an entrepreneur, you look at that, geez, that's three hours of lost productivity. But no, if you're, it's the old thing about, you know, if you're going to cut down a tree, you spend four hours sharpening the ax and then 30 minutes cutting down a tree instead of four and a half hours chopping with a dull blade.
2: Yeah, those early morning hours, uh, so many people get stuck first thing in turning on an electric news feed or their email or their phone. And, and I think those predominate. Kevin's interviewed many people uh, over the years and, and even reading about you know, the, the, the importance of the early morning habits. And how that sets up the day and what your mindset is. And, and then for me, because if you asked me that question, Kevin, I'd say my main symptom is related to the struggle to go to bed on time, which then impacts those early morning hours. Uh, so, so that's where my, my efforts have been. Yeah. I, you know, Dad,
0: you are a, I could call you a professional influencer. I mean, that is what you do. You write, you speak, you consult and coach uh, other people, you spend your days guiding others for the most part. And so through this journey, I know it's been a big part, uh, you know, your your story is a big part of your guidance. How, how has it altered your, I'll just say that. How has it altered your guidance um, of others in the group? Yeah. Of others in the groups that you're a part of and uh, your own, yeah, your own coaching to others. Well, it really has. I mean, I, I'm
1: still a big believer in high achievement, I mean, I love being able to get things done and doing things that increase one's impact and influence. And so in working with other people, I want to help them understand how to do that. But what I've experienced certainly flavors my coaching at this point. Now, I was never one to just say, you know, if you're working 40 hours, you know, work 60 and you're going to accomplish your goals. It was never that. I knew there was a better way, but this has really helped me understand this holistic approach to a meaningful, productive life.
0: Yeah. I mean, that aspect, of course, that's why we did this show was saying, if we are compromised, body, mind, soul, so are our efforts. And it doesn't, it feels anti-American to some degree, man. You just, you know, you push never, 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 never quick, do more, produce. And I, my biggest takeaway Just right here today is what I still need to hear is that 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 push to be productive, be productive, does not equate more productivity. And going back to the – I love that. The free days, the buffer days, the focus days. uh, I spend way too much time probably functioning at 50 know 75%. I suppose if I would back off, go sharpen that ax for a Mm -hmm. while, and then come back and make a clean cut.
1: You know, I – If you want, I can give you a quick synopsis of my week. Monday, I have all business meetings. So anything having to do with business happens on Monday. Um, Monday afternoons, I do endorsements and forwards for books. Tuesdays, I do everything connected with coaching. So all my coaching calls are on Tuesday. My mastermind calls, all those are grouped on Tuesday. Wednesday morning, I work on my podcast. Wednesday afternoon, I'm available for interviews. It's the only time I do interviews. Thursday and Friday, deep work. No appointments, no commitments. That's when I really work on my major projects, like books, new courses, seminars, and all that. So I'm very clear, very intentional about how I use my time, but it doesn't require 80 hours a week to do that. Now, I love my work. I'm not looking to move down to, you know, Tim Ferriss' four hours a week now, at all. I, I don't have any desire for that. I like a full, robust work schedule because I love what I do. But it's very intentional in how I use my time. And even built into that, you can see I have things that aren't just one more appointment, getting one more person to coach. It's free days. It's those days where I do deep work that really allow my best efforts to come to the surface.
0: I, and I, you, and I've gotten that through you. I think over the years. I mean, you introduced me to Cal Newport, which uh, I, you know, he wrote the book Deep Work. Deep I interviewed work. him. He was he was show seven oh three in the Ziegler Show. Uh, And that was so profound. But even the stories you read about, I think it was one that I read about years ago, Richard Branson, you know, runs the whole Virgin Empire. I mean, you think the guy, he's got to be working, you know, 200 hours a week. And yet at some point I read that his average workday, he devotes about 20 minutes to actual work and making those critical decisions. And the rest of the time, man, he's doing whatever he does, being creative, sharpening his axe, having fun, whatever. And I thought, I want to be in a position where I do the thing that I can do best, make the do the critical work, and then not be a slave to my desk, a slave to my computer, a slave to my work, just putting in the hours, doing the grind, which is the American way.
1: Well, yeah, you you've touched on something else. We probably need a, a whole extra hour to do this, but you've talked about how you move into your unique ability. A lot of people are working in areas of incompetence, and they recognize that, or they may be working in areas of competence or even excellence, where they really are doing something well. But it's something that other people could easily step into. What I look for, and this is not original with me, but I look for what is your zone of genius? What is it that only you can do? So I look for how can I spend more of my time in that Arena. And my goal is to where I'm spending 75% of my time in that unique ability or that zone of genius. That's a pretty unusual kind of work model for people. But that's a that's a real clear goal of mine. And I feel more and more freedom as I move into that.
0: Well, I, there's probably a great play yeah, on that I can't help but promote folks If you like what you hear right there. Uh, his podcast, Forty Eight Days podcast, one of the best, uh, highest ranked business podcasts I think ever. Uh, you were, you were at the dawn of the, uh, the podcast revolution and, way back, and now you're uh, you're at the top of it. So, man, thanks for the, just the candor uh, of this journey. I know so many people can relate. And I always appreciate, always have, even as you are an influencer of others, your humility to share your own journey and uh, the the reality of your humanity. Uh, But man, I'm glad to see, I'm mostly stoked. It's so inspiring that you're planning out the next 20 plus years. So, man thanks for being with us today.
1: Uh, oh thanks man what a privilege to chat with you guys and to, to share this i mean it's certainly a testament to the work you guys are doing and i'm a walking testimony to the power of being able to take this approach and then experience the joy of the
0: benefits wow. I really expect and hope that a lot of you right now are excited. You're feeling hopeful. And that was the point of sharing the story. Again, if you want to connect with Dan Miller, again, check out 48days.com or search for his podcast, 48 Days. Hey, thanks for choosing to tune into the Self Helpful Podcast. Again, if you got value, leave a review about this episode and let somebody know what you learned. Talk about it. It'll help you both benefit your lives. I sincerely hoped I've helped you. Help yourself.